In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We have a group of young people going through their confirmation studies right now. They'll be studying all the way into the spring until they come on a Sunday morning and stand together, but individually confirm that they want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ that they want to continue to walk and grow in their faith that their parents or their grandparents or a friend has brought them into. They will be studying all the church history, church doctrines, learning about what we believe as United Methodist. I will be with them next month and then over the next few months be working with them as they come upon that big day. I was with a class like that a few years ago. We started the class by me asking them, tell me your family lineage. I had each of them stand. They would say, oh, my mom is this, my dad is that, my grandparents are that. Then they would stop. Not many could get past grandparents. Occasionally got to great-grandparents, but nobody went further than that. Nobody knew their lineage more than three generations back. But Luke tells a very different story here. He broadens the context. It begs the question, do you know your lineage? Do you know about your family? Luke says Joseph is part of the lineage of David, King David, greatest ruler in Israel's history. When he goes to that point, he's included about a thousand years of Joseph's family history. That is a long time. That's a much larger piece of history than most of us think about when we think about our family and our identity and what family we are a part of. But then Luke does even more than that. He takes it to a whole nother level when he tells us that this baby that is to be born is for all the people. This baby is being born for all the people. That truly enlarges the context of what we mean as Christians when we talk about family or God's family. Hear it again in this second chapter of Luke in verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all 
all the people. This is good news for everyone. This is coming for all the people in the world, all the people that will ever be in the world. It is a huge family, probably much larger than you normally think of when you think of your family. But Luke invites us into this story to broaden who we think of when we think about family. The family of God that we're a part of is much larger than most of us usually think. Much larger than whom we usually consider when we're thinking about family. And yet it's not only this gospel, that's a theme throughout the gospels in terms of what God is doing in this baby that's being born. You know the verse out of John, John 3, 16. For God sent his son, right? For the world. Or you could say for all the people. His only begotten son. Jesus picks up this theme later in Luke. When he's talking about his mission, he says the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him, has anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to bring release to the captives, to set free those who are oppressed, to recovery sight of the blind. Do you usually think of those people when you think of your family? Jesus thought of them. God was thinking of them. Luke invites us to think of all the people when we think about the birth of this baby. Oh, in our text tonight, it even makes it clear that poor shepherds and unwed mothers are included in God's family. Receive the good news. You're included. God's love has come for you as well as all your brothers and sisters in this world. Even those that we usually don't Think about including when we say family. Dr. Rachel Naomi Raymond tells about a time when she was on a long business trip and finally got to that point where she was getting on the plane to fly home. She was finished. She got in her seat. The door closed. She was glad to see that that seat in the middle was open. There was a fellow by the window, but she was on the aisle. Nobody she had to talk to. She broke out her mystery novel and looked forward to a couple of hours of silence where she could just relax. She began to read. She said she was enjoying it immensely, so much so when they came by to serve dinner, she just waved them off. She didn't even want any. She just wanted to read some more. She said she was deep into her novel, having a wonderful time, when the fella next to the window dropped a whole container of open yogurt, and it splattered all over the floor. It was on his trousers, on his shoes, on the carpet, on the bags that were down there. She looked at him. He was just looking out the window. She kind of watched to see if he was going to clean it up. And then she noticed that he was taking his hands and trying to move his leg back out of the way. She realized that his leg was paralyzed. Then she saw there was a brace on it. His ankle was swollen, a brace coming out of his shoe. He was struggling just to move his legs to get his feet away from where the yogurt had now spilt on the carpet. She saw the flight crew working hard, so she just hit her button thinking they would come and help, but nobody came. 
She said, minutes passed. Nobody came. They were working the drink cart up and down the aisle. Finally, they got there asking if she wanted a drink. She pointed to the yogurt and said, do you have a towel? She said, the flight attendant went ballistic. She said, do you know there's 452 people on this flight? I'm trying to serve all of them. I don't have time for this. Dr. Raymond realized she didn't understand. She was saying if they would bring her a towel, she would clean it up. So she explained that. She said then there was awkward silence for a moment. We stared at each other. The flight attendant turned on her heel, took off down the aisle, was back in a few moments with a wet towel. Didn't say a word, just handed it to me. Still, the man is just looking out the window Dr. Raymond says she finally ventured, Sir, it may be difficult for you to travel. I find it difficult to travel these days. My eyesight's been failing these last few years. I have trouble seeing and getting around. It's more difficult than it used to. He kind of glanced, but he still didn't say anything for a moment. She said, I, I wasn't sure whether to move on in. And then finally he said quietly, I suffered a stroke eight months ago. I don't have any feeling from my fingertips to my elbows now. And then just paused. She waited. He finally whispered, and I am incontinent. I have to wear a diaper. Dr. Raymond said she marveled at the choreography of this chance seating. She had her own problems. She said to him, I have an ileostomy. He looked at her. She said, yes, I had to have my whole large intestine taken out. I have to wear a plastic appliance. I've been dealing with it for 30 years. I still get nervous when I have to be in close quarters with lots of people that there will be an accident and I'll be humiliated he just shook his head. She said, may I? And pointed to the yogurt. He shook his head, yes. She said, I got down, hands and knees, began to clean up the yogurt off his shoes and his pants off the carpet. When I looked up, his face had warmed up, and he smiled at me and said, I used to play the violin. I was a master violinist. She shook her head and went on and cleaned up the mess. The flight ended. When I got up to leave, all of a sudden, all these flight attendants were catching my arm, thanking me for helping him. She said, when I went past the captain, he grabbed my shoulder and put something in my hand, pressed it in there. I looked. It was a little pair of those wings they give children when they've been cooperative. <laughs> said, good job. Thanks so much. She said, it was really very nice that they were so appreciative but she said it was a little bit chilling when I reflected upon it that they thought something as simple as cleaning up the yogurt was such a big deal and then she writes this perhaps we are no longer a kind people perhaps we've become numb to one another We have become terribly vulnerable, not because we suffer, 
but because we have separated ourselves from each other it seems that we don't want to see another suffering and we're ashamed of our own suffering but she writes you know that part that feels the suffering is just like the part that feels the joy the angel said to them do not be afraid for see I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people God is sending us his son Luke goes on to say to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah the Lord God is sending us all of his love and all of his power all of his compassion and care and kindness and mercy and blessing and forgiveness are we ready to receive it or have we become numb do you know your lineage do you know what family you're a part of you're a part of the very family of God that's what Luke wants us to hear this evening we try really hard as United Methodists to embody that that's why we do ministry with those in prison and those coming out of prison with families of those whom are incarcerated because we say they're part of the family of God that's why we work with children who can no longer live in their homes because we believe they're part of the family of God that's why United Methodists went to Africa and started churches and finally built a university because we believe those people there who were in need were part of our family that's why we send groups of people out from here on volunteer and mission trips across the city and the state across the country and in fact around the world because we know there are brothers and sisters in those places that are a part of our family that's why we do vacation Bible school and invite all the children who want to come in because we know they're part of the family of God they're part of our family how big is your family Luke wants us to hear this good news that God has come to us but not only you and me but it's come for the whole world for all the people let me tell you one last story it's about a fellow true story named Yitzhak he lived in Europe he got caught up in World War II he was put in a concentration camp it was terrible but he survived and once liberated he was able to make his way to the United States he was very bright he became a research physicist and had a distinguished career he was enjoying his retirement when he was diagnosed with cancer he wasn't sure what to do he wasn't ready to die he began to battle it and as part of his battle for survival and trying to beat the cancer he heard about a retreat he could go to they were going to be working for a whole week on creating healthier futures of making sure thoughts and emotions and actions and behaviors were all the healthiest they could be but he had a kind of a disturbing experience he shared with the group he said he felt all of a sudden at one point that he was kind of surrounded by a a light kind of a rose-colored light at first he said it was it was very comforting but then all of a sudden he felt like it began to pour out of his chest and the 
the rose color got a little more vivid and it, all of a sudden it, he said it felt like he was hemorrhaging this light from his heart and it was distressing and he did not know what it meant and he said I'm going to ponder this there has to be some meaning here for me I do not understand it he pondered it for several days and then on the final day just before the retreat ended he asked if he could share something with the group and he shared with them remember that experience I had I've been working on that yesterday in fact I was even talking to God about that and I was realizing that ever since my time in World War II and the concentration camps I've been so very guarded that I've only really had relationships with people who were members of my family and so I said to God is it okay to love strangers? And God said, What is a stranger? You make strangers. I don't make strangers. Amen.